There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Megan Gilgert, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome today, friends. I'm really excited about this conversation today. And you guys have been asking for a while for me to talk about this. And I know this is not a garden topic, but anytime we go through a transition, you know, we talk about, we're talking about this all of this season. We're talking about transitions. And we, so much of what I learned about my own body and how I perceive it are things that I was able to give myself grace about because of my experience in the garden, because of this in tune, you know, concept of being in nature. And there's so much, I'm, you know, honestly, like I'm reading this book right now called finding the mother tree and how much of that conversation for this woman, Suzanne, um, she, that wrote it is she's incredible and what she has done and the things that she has discovered about the woods and in turn ourselves as humans is something that has been really resonating with me because how much she learned about herself and about communication and being a mother from the trees that she was researching. And so I connect with that because the thing that was so grounding and helpful for me as I navigated my, my way through these early years in motherhood has 100% been the garden and 100% been the, been the nature in the woods around me. And there's so many women that I think, you know, we have separated ourselves so far from the natural world or made it less accessible in some way because, you know, maybe it feels harsh or challenging. But 
I 100% believe in this like deepest sense of who I am that as women, we have a more in tune connection to nature. And it is something that we can harness and utilize and use as like this like power in ourselves. So though this isn't a garden topic, it very much relates to my own story about gardening and food and everything. Because if anything, it was the thing that turned the tide for me. I mean, getting pregnant and having a child is why I moved into this next realm of fresh exchange. It's why I took a break because I had to question. I began to question. I didn't have to, you know, I could have continued on, I guess, but I had to ask myself because of who I am, like, am I making this world better by continuing in the path that I am? Or is there something more meaningful that I can build? And, you know, if you know my story at all, you know that, and you followed me for a long time, you may know that, you know, there was a portion of my business that was, and what I did with the blog that was very much in that influencer world. And when that word came out, it became really hard on me. And it was about the same time that I was pregnant with our son. And I was doing all this work with brands that I didn't always believe full wholeheartedly in, but it paid well. And, you know, you're making a living doing what you love. Like, why would I turn away from that? But I had to think about what was the ramifications of what I was doing? What was the world that I was inspiring to build? Because I went back to this conversation that I had in college with a professor who I ended up interning for and then eventually turned into a job for a period of time. And he said, as a creative, we have the choice every day to dictate how people see the world and we can help them see a brighter world, a more beautiful world, something that gives back what we do can be good. Or we can harness these skills that we have to do something that isn't good. And it is our choice every day how we do that. And that is probably the biggest thing I took away from college. I hate saying that, but it's true because it guided the future of what I do now. Because in that moment, when somebody called me an influencer, I went back to that statement in my head where I was like, oh my gosh, I have to rethink this. I can't live this way. And so it started the cycle of rebuilding Fresh Exchange into what it is now. And, and I think about that because when we talk about postpartum, we talk about women going through this chapter, whether it's fertility, infertility, you know, adoption, birth, you know, however we come into this stage of life or we choose not to, because that's a transition as well is to make that choice. And I understand every realm of these things now as a woman myself that has gone through my chosen my own path. I understand how every single person goes down a different transition and all of them hold their own challenges and their own beauty. And so we have to choose what is right for us. And so when I think about postpartum in particular, though, you know, we, many cultures, like if you read the book first 40 days, which was a huge turning point for me in my second pregnancy, um, 
she talks about how in different cultures they see birth and postpartum as a door to opening a woman into to the next chapter of who she is, more or less. And I really took that into being in my first pregnancy subconsciously, and then with the second very consciously. And there were drastic differences in those experiences. And just this week, uh, two years ago, yesterday, we welcomed our daughter into the world. And she reminded me of how seeing her like celebrate her yesterday, I had this like re like this new vision of who I've become since then and what has shaped me into this point. And so I just want to talk about some of that today and we can talk about postpartum more if you guys want to hear more specific things or even just motherhood in general. I'm a pretty open book about this stuff. I, you know, I, I don't think everybody has their own choices that they make. And so sometimes it's really fascinating, at least for me, it's been really helpful as a mom and a business owner and everything else <laughs> to hear other people's choices, to hear how they chose to do something and the convictions and values that led them there. Because sometimes it both tells me something I don't want to do but, or it's something I do want to do completely, or I want to take bits and pieces from it. And there's no one right way or one wrong way in this situation. Everybody has what works for them and what their life allows for them or what they choose to create for themselves. That's the beauty of being human, but I'm happy to talk about any of it. Uh, but because being a parent, being a mom, you know, it goes through chapters and seasons all its own, as you guys know, and that our parents are not, or thinking about it, or you're an aunt or an uncle, you know that this is true. So, but I want to just, I'm going to set the stage a little bit here in case you don't know much about me, or you're just jumping in, or maybe somebody shared this episode with you. I, when I got pregnant with our son. I am very lucky to say this, but I didn't really, it was kind of an accident. It was a purposeful accident, but it was an accident. We weren't specifically trying, trying. We had just talked about it and then like thought, oh, why not? Let's see what happens. And I got pregnant. So I wasn't, I didn't go, I feel incredibly thankful for that, first of all. But like anything in life, there's, and we're talking about this, there's the both and. The challenge in that was that I wasn't mentally prepared. I was, and granted I had nine months, but the clock ticks at that point. We know that. And I feel so thankful that I didn't have to think twice about it. And I think about that so often. And because later I went through a different stage of stuff. And so I... I, you know, we got pregnant. We were in this like very, like we were traveling the world, doing all these things. And now I'm pregnant. And this means that life is going to change. But I had in my head, it wouldn't change. I thought he'll just, you know, fit into everything and it'll be fine. <laughs> I laugh now because I think that's true with some kids. I think that's totally true with some babies, some parents. I think you can do that. 
our second daughter or second, we could have done that. Our first, not so much. That was not his vibe. That was not who he was. And I'm thankful that wasn't who he was because who he was allowed us to shift into, into a greater dream than I saw in that instance when I knew I was pregnant and I spent the nine months thinking that we were going to have. So in that time, you know, I was like, I'm going to, I was really fit when I got pregnant with him. Um, and at, being strong and athletic is something I deeply value as somebody who was a college athlete. It is where I find a lot of identity. And so I, I worked out all the time and, you know, I ate healthy. I, you know, eating lots of vegetables, but I did not eat enough of the proteins and fats that I needed for sure as I went through this. And it was kind of, it played out later, but I started having towards the end of my pregnancy, high blood pressure issues. You know, I, you know, was really proud of myself because I'd only gained the 35 pounds I was supposed to gain. And I had all these misconceptions of what it was to be a pregnant woman. I thought, you know, the goal is to have the baby, to get back to who you are as quick as possible so that then you can like continue on with your work. And it's like, you, you're highly valued if you look exactly the same, if not better after you've had a baby. I thought, you know, I'm going to breastfeed because I'm going to lose the weight. I had all those thoughts. And then I had a baby. This, the pregnancy was very, the end of the pregnancy was extremely stressful because, because of that lack of eating the nutrients that I probably needed to eat. He was struggling. There wasn't enough fluid. I was having high blood pressure issues and low blood pressure issues. It was flopping all over the place. And so I was induced. I had a wonderful birth despite being induced. And I feel very thankful for that. I used hypnosis to navigate that process. It was a three hour hurricane of a labor that left me with some recovery um, down below, which I'm very thankful to have a great doctor who took care of me and a midwife who was very good at helping me through that process. Uh, but I had other recovery issues. I couldn't, my pelvis was completely out of alignment. It was separating because of my diastasis I had that I had no idea I had. And I could barely shuffle side to side. I couldn't work out. And I was cleared at six weeks to work out. And uh, I couldn't physically. <laughs> and so I felt I entered into deep depression very quickly. I didn't have a support system because we were far away from my parents. Both our sets of parents came for a short period of time. But, you know, they're both working full time at that point. We didn't have a lot of of that. And I also felt a lot of guilt about asking people for help. And I didn't want to be a burden to people. I felt like Hayes, our son, was a burden to other people. He didn't sleep well. He was always hungry because he was so small. And I felt like I could never get enough food in him. His latch wasn't great because of some muscular issues that we didn't even realize were going on even after seeing multiple people about it. That we didn't even really discover until he couldn't talk. And like there were all these things. And I look back at that 
poor me, like truly. And I wish I could give her a hug and say, Hey, this is going to be okay. Here's how we're going to navigate this. And, you know, I had a doula, I had all these things, I had all those things in place. But here I was being told something that wasn't happening without somebody saying, it doesn't have to be this way. And it's not intended to be this way. And this is not necessarily how it should be, but it's also very much something that does happen. And this is not abnormal, but it shouldn't be the norm, if that makes sense. I wish I could have told her that (laughs) and brought her some broth (laughs) Um, instead of a glass of wine. And I... I just think back to that time because it took me almost two years to see myself and then to see myself again, to see who I was underneath all that and to come out of depression. I mean, there was a point where I looked in the mirror and I couldn't recognize myself. I didn't know who I was anymore. And I had this crying baby and I was exhausted. I was trying to work. I felt the pressure of my creative career. I wasn't getting back. I definitely wasn't losing the weight. In fact, it was coming on more and more. The more milk I produced, I was not losing that weight. Nothing fit. And I felt like a failure. And so it was this chapter of my life. We moved. I left where I was, which helped because then I had my parents closer by but there was other stressors that came into life. Like I wasn't working. Um, and so Mike had to pick up the slack financially and we were building a house. We were selling a house. (laughs) I don't recommend any of that at the same time with a small baby who doesn't sleep. And I was trying to figure out how to get him to sleep and realizing at like 12 months, like, Oh, a lot of babies don't sleep through the night. And through the night means six hours, not 12. (laughs) So I started just like connecting these dots in my head little by little as I started building a core group of women around me who held me and saw me and challenged, you know, they, they were going through the same things I was. And we texted and we connected And we discussed, you know, I feel terrible about my body, you know, and then helping each other see the beauty in ourselves and what we created. And then this movement started happening not too long after that. Uh, In 2017, I really felt like we started seeing this conversation of women's health, particularly when it comes to fertility, infertility, um, infertility issues, meaning like, and helping women navigate this breastfeeding and how we approach it and how we approach our bodies as women and how (laughs) we feed ourselves, what to expect and what is normal and what shouldn't be accepted and how to fix those issues. And, you know, it's not just about doing kegels. It's, (laughs) it's much more than that, that we need postpartum care and we need PT care And because that is what, and honestly, fixing my diastasis was the thing that made me realize how lack of care there was for women in America, 
particularly because there were all these women in Europe who were like, oh yeah, I go to a PT. I just go to a PT. Like who doesn't go to a PT after their like six weeks appointment or eight week appointment? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, So I navigated this chapter of healing my body. I went from like thinking I needed to work out intensely and instead seeing that the greatest thing that I could do to work out my body, so to speak, which is a huge shift as an athlete, was to focus on rebuilding the center. And when I say that, this is where that concept of tending to our roots comes from. Because in the human body, all of the things that matter the most sit in our core, right? They sit between the shoulders and the pelvis. And all those things sit there. And so that's our roots, is this core being of who we are in the middle. And you think about a tree, the roots come out from, you know, you got the, you got all the stuff up top and you got all the roots in the bottom and that trunk holds the story and of who that tree is as much as the roots do. There's so many things that we can connect. And so I started just kind of going through this, like rewriting of a script in my head of what it is to be a woman what it is to grow life, what it is to choose that and, and to navigate it in a world that tells us that we're inadequate and we're doing the most incredible thing that we could do with our bodies, like creating another human <laughs> for better or worse. And, um, not sure, you know, how that, how everyone feels about that, but, um, <laughs> I, I think that it's one of the most incredible parts of being a woman is to have the choice to do that, that our body every month offers us that chance. And, you know, whether that's successful or not, it still is within our system and our makeup to potentially do that. And I just like started having this reverence for what my body did. Now, I didn't do it completely in a perfect way though, because all that time that I was rebuilding my body, I, you know, and honestly, like even after all the PT, even after everything, when I went running, I still peed myself. You know, I still, and I was so discouraged by that. Like there were moments where I would sneeze while I'm cooking and I'm like, well, crap, <laughs> not literally, but you know what I mean? And, um, because I needed to pee and then, you know, I sneeze, you know how it goes. If you know, you know, and I was like, well, I guess I'm never going to run again. I'm never going to do these things again. I still had this negative language in my head to not see my body as a capable thing that I could build into whatever I wanted as with the right tools. And so I sat with that negative language and, and I also was stressed beyond belief, building a house, having a small child, everything. House building is not an easy thing. And the financial stresses, all of it, it's a lot. Well, when we got settled in our house, we started talking about having another one. And because I finally felt like, okay, Hayes was in school. He was almost three. Like, you know, it felt like a good time to think about it. And <laughs> I then 
came, it started having, I, we started trying and I got, I started feeling really sick and I didn't know what was going on. I had like, I was nauseous. I was, I had, you know, nothing sounded good. I felt really run down. My muscles felt heavy. I felt like I could nap all day. I was like, oh, we got pregnant right away again. So, but then one day I woke up and I had a fever of 102 and I was like, okay, well, if I'm pregnant, that's not good. And so I went into the doctor and he ran a bunch of blood tests and I found out that I had an Epstein-Barr virus called CMV. I contracted it somehow and my immune system was low enough that because of exhaustion, stress, not eating properly, I was like believing I needed to eat a vegan diet <laughs> at that point or low meat diet. And that is not, does not work for my body and, and definitely not for prepping to have another baby. So I was like, okay, what do I do? And basically when you have CMV or pretty much any Epstein-Barr virus, which is also like mono and other things, I there isn't a lot of answers in the traditional medicine world, like the Western medicine world. And so I didn't really know what to do other than, you know, take care of my body, eat right, rest, sleep, and hope I wasn't pregnant. Because if I was pregnant, our baby would be born with a lot of potentially deadly and harmful long-term effects. So I went from hoping to have a baby to not (laughs) hoping. And that was a big mental shift because it, it isn't like infertility. It isn't that, you know, I won't compare it to that, but I understand what it is to lose that vision and that, that moment. Um, there's a chapter in one of Shauna Nyquist's book that I read like years ago where she talks, it's all about the woman crying on the floor because women cry on the floor of a bath or sorry, crying on the floor of a bathroom, women cry on the floor of a bathroom for various reasons, a positive test, a negative test, a, you know, all sorts of things. We've all been there. (laughs) And I, um, I, I had a really like big moment where a friend of mine, I didn't know she was trying, but she texted me the morning I had had to take my pregnancy test. We were on our way to go see my in-laws. I was like, you know what? We're going to get away. I need to change my mind. We're going to go see them, get some help with Hayes and just kind of disappear for a little bit. And it was great because I could rest and relax and just, you know, be easy. And <laughs> I, she text. I had to take a pregnancy test before we left because it was like, I was six exactly at that point. Um, and he, I, I like took the test and it was negative. I took actually two just to make sure. And I went on my way and we packed up, went to the airport, didn't think anything of it. And I felt really thankful. And, um, and so I was holding haze and we were walking out of the airport in Houston and I got a text from my friend that came in like right in that moment. And I thought it was from my mom because we'd had a conversation or else I wouldn't have checked it. And it was my friend and she said, and it's not her fault by any means, but she said, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited. And 
in that moment, I think every one of us as women, we've probably either seen a friend go through this or something of the like. And I just started having tears. And I was like, why am I crying? Like, that's not okay. Like, why am I crying? I should be happy for her. I should be happy. And I realized (laughs) that I was mourning that that wasn't me. That could have been me that morning. And and I was sad about that. I was grieving it. And Mike like looks at me. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think I just need to go to the bathroom. And I went in this bathroom and I thought about that story from Shauna Nyquist of a woman crying in the bathroom. And there I was sobbing in the bathroom and a woman next to me says, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, yes, it's fine. Like I'm fine. And I wasn't fine. It took weeks (laughs) to feel fine mentally with that. Um, And my wonderful (laughs) mother-in-law, she's told me a story about her own, she had a miscarriage and it's by no means the same, but it is a loss in some way to believe that you were going to have something and then it doesn't come or you don't no longer can have it come. And so she was amazing. And, you know, and she told me, you know, if I hadn't had that miscarriage, I, you know, would have never had, you know, my brother-in-law and we love him. And so it was like, you're right. Wow. Okay. There's something better along the way. Like maybe this is a moment. And I saw that as a like that was the first time, and it was July. I want you to understand that it was the fourth of July that week. But I had entered a winter of the soul as a woman, and I spent that week. I slept a lot, and I then came out at the end of the week, and I said to Mike, I was like, you know what? I am going to take the next year. That's what they told me. It would take almost a year in order for this virus, even if I felt better, to exit my system to then be a safe place to become pregnant again. So I had to wait a year and it was a year for myself. It was a year of healing. It was a year of tending to my roots, to research, to understand how I could be the best version of myself because of what I just navigated. And so I took that year and I had a lovely friend who she, um, at the time was practicing Chinese medicine and doing acupuncture And she said, you know, Megan, I'm sorry you're going through this. You know, healing is nonlinear. Come in. I'm going to help you. And I'm like, okay, like this is, this is right after I said that, you know, the universe, you put that out in the universe, things coming your way. And she was incredible. Like through that whole time, just rewrote so many scripts in my head with me and pointed and kept telling me like, Megan, it's not like you need fat on your body. You need to eat a hamburger. You need (laughs) like, and I kept getting those messages in my head of like, okay, this isn't about how I look. This is about who I am in the deepest sense of my roots and my core. And like, I can rewrite this conversation in me in every way. And this is an opportunity to do that. And so it it was a big turning point for me. And I reanalyzed everything about my work, about how much I worked, how I worked out, how, you know, I spent a year just doing yoga and 
long walks and Pilates for a solid year instead of any intense workouts. And I immediately like, you know, I went every three months I had to go in and get my blood drawn. It was a very expensive blood test that I had to do at the hospital to find out where we were. And my doctor, I had to see a doctor instead of a midwife for my next pregnancy. And she navigated it with me so well, so like held my hand basically along the way of like, it's negative, but it's okay. Like it's positive still. And that's okay. Here's what we're going to continue doing. You're doing the right things. Like we're going to get there. This is a process. And cause in my head, I was like, maybe it won't ever happen again, you know? And then I got the call. I did my test in January, 2019. I, or no, December, 2018. It was right before the new year. I did one more test and I was like, you know, I won't be able to do this again until March. And so hopefully this one, I feel really good. I felt the best I'd ever felt in my life. I wasn't drinking as much. I was eating a diet full of rich fats and, you know, locally sourced food and, um, good grains and low sugar. And, you know, the whole thing based upon what I was, you know, in lots of different, like, herbs and all this stuff that I was taking. And I was so focused on being in the garden and just being involved in that connection with myself. And I went and did my blood test again. And, um, right before my birthday, I got told that I was first time negative. It was no longer being carried on my DNA, which means that I couldn't pass it to my daughter or I didn't know it was going to be a daughter at that point. But so Mike was like, you know what, let's try. And I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. And so I spent the next month and a half just kind of prepping myself. I went and got that first 40 day book and I read about the foods and I started cooking that way. And I was like, I want to create the best possible outcome. I want to navigate this in a way that is just the best I can possibly do because I'm only going to do it one more time. Knowing that I had this virus, I knew hormonal shifts like trigger the possibility of it happening again and, um, relapsing. And so I was like, okay, I I want to make sure this is a positive experience. I want, I want to write what I did wrong with the last time. And so Mike and I worked together as a team to make sure that that happened. And I approached it so differently. And so I did get pregnant again right away because I think honestly, it was universe, the universe situation of being the exact right time. And I felt like I was coming into a rebirthing of myself. It was spring too. And I found out I was pregnant March 21st, which is like the first day of spring. It ended up being the first day I could really test, even though I was kind of feeling like I had symptoms and it was positive. And I was alone that weekend when I found out, which was really a beautiful thing because it felt like it was the ending of a chapter. This chapter of this was my chapter. This was my space 
between in some way. Like, and I'm ending, I'm welcoming a new life as I'm ending this chapter of focus, like tending to myself. I felt like I was welcoming spring in a whole perfect way, planting a seed that grew into something. And sure enough, I had a wonderfully healthy pregnancy and I ate really well. And then at the the last trimester, I was going to a PT regularly because I told her, I was like, I am bound and determined to be able to run after this baby and not right away. But within the first, you know, nine to 12 months after I have her, I want to be myself again. And she was like, let's do it. <laughs> and this is why I say it's so important to find the people to help you do this. And in every state's different with PT in terms of insurance. And so I really, really suggest you look into it. If you even have crappy insurance, I have super bad insurance, okay? But still in the state of Michigan, they allow women to get free PT or like discounted PT, I think. I have to look at it. It might've changed, but I think up to 10 times, depending where they break it out. And so the PT office can help you with this. And, um, it was super affordable. Like I think I paid like $75 for all of my sessions. So truly like it's worth looking into, even if you have crappy insurance, because it makes all the difference because she even was able knowing what I dealt with to help me strategize how to positions for birthing. And she gave me sheets that I could give to my doula and my doula was amazing. My doctor was in on it. It was just like, perfect symbiotic relationship. Mike knew. And so when the day came for Sunny to come, we, it was, you know, this really wonderful moment because I didn't have to be induced. I had an incredibly healthy, beautiful baby and I was healthy. The birth was not rapid. I mean, it was rapid. It was three and a half hours, but it was the most calm, beautiful, relaxing experience that you could possibly think of with a birth. And I felt fully in it. I felt fully supported. And I felt I had redeemed what hadn't been. And so I healed myself in so many ways through that chapter. And when she came, this is where I she came in November, like I said. So it was this time of year. And I set up a lot of support systems to make sure that I could really rest for a full, solid four weeks. And mind you, I had a vaginal birth with just a few stitches. I had just a first degree tear that was really minimal. And there was no, I didn't have, I didn't have any drugs. Uh, and I just had Pitocin at the end to stop with bleeding, but I'm all up for that because I don't want to hemorrhage obviously. And then, um, I, and I don't like needles. I want you guys to know that that's not, I didn't, I'm not like one of those like anti-epidurals. I just, I do not like the idea of a needle in my spine. So I would rather endure a hypnotic vaginal labor <laughs> that everything's going well and be in that space fully. So I don't think labor is that it's painful. Don't get me wrong. Pushing is incredibly uncomfortable, but 
hypnosis is a beautiful way to tackle that, especially if you have fear of needles like I do. So if you're into the epidural, go for it. I say do whatever gets you through, but, but I didn't, I had like the easiest situation for recovery. I didn't have a C-section. I didn't have any of these things that are incredibly difficult on our bodies. And we forget that, that it's a major surgery, that it even just pushing a baby through our bodies, our whole bone structure is expanded and there's tons of hormones and then it has to come back together, you know, and hopefully it comes back together. Okay. And but my PT was able to like help me figure out how to do that during that four weeks, that four to six weeks I plan to give like basically just to sit on the couch and hold my baby and to nurse and to, you know, do nothing really. I mean, Mike carried everything up and down the stairs for me. They, my mom or his mom, or he brought me food and bed all the time. Like I specifically made this time and I told everybody, I was like, don't get me anything for Christmas. Don't do anything. Just come and give me a wonderful, relaxing postpartum experience. And throughout it, I like utilized the recipes that were in first 40 days, but I kind of adapted them, which I created an ebook of recipes for you guys like a couple years ago. And the recipes are based off of like some of the recipes in first 40 days, but they're kind of like I kind of, some of them felt a little too crunchy. Like, I don't want to use the word at that. Uh, too, like, I don't know. Like, they just didn't feel natural to our rhythms or like things we could find at our own co-op. And so I wanted to kind of adapt it a little bit that felt especially approachable with the toddler in the house because we, or he was a small child, but three and a half year old in our house. And so many people have young children when they're having another baby. So I wanted recipes that felt like the kids would also enjoy them. So I kind of adapted some of the recipes and I ate this way from that food list specifically, um, for, at least eight weeks or I think it was actually four months. And even after I had her, we, Mike went home, he got my broth that I made, which was like shiitake, kombu, bone broth, like all these things. And I drank labor aid throughout my labor, which was Himalayan salt, honey, um, magnesium powder and red raspberry leaf tea. And I drank that throughout my whole labor. And then I did not have some like after birth meal. I just drank so much broth and had chicken noodle soup from the hospital. And then I did have Mike get me a sandwich like the day that I left um, because I don't like hospital food at all. But I ate oatmeal, things that were very easy to digest because our systems are going through so much after we have a baby, no matter how you had that baby. And so all of that is in that ebook, which is like $5. And it has tons of recipes, tons of ways to approach your eating. Like I did, they're the exact things I had. And so anyways, and I just, I just soaked it in. I just sat in that because that time, the year prior that I took for myself, I learned how important, how much we can change of our bodies and our minds and how we perceive ourselves. 
when we allow ourselves to be in that, you know? So I, I wanted to bring that same sort of perspective into this postpartum period. And sure, there were challenges. I mean, I had stitches. I had a baby that was learning to nurse. And, you know, I was going through that process again. We had a three-year-old that was in school and I was stressed about RSV and the flu and a small baby. And, and then the pandemic happened four months after she was born. But needless to say, <laughs> I am so thankful that I took that time because that time allowed me to build my body in a way that was more resilient to what lied ahead of me unknowingly. And I was able to see my PT until the pandemic and which was awesome because she gave, she was like, I don't know if I'll see you again because our last appointment was the week before shutdown. And she gave me a ton of workout stuff to do at home. And she's like, email me, ask me questions, come see me if you need to again. But, you know, I don't know what's ahead. And so she gave me all this stuff to work on. And I did. And so now here I am two years later, that first year I didn't, after her birth, I didn't do any downhill skiing. I just still focused on Pilates. I did bar. Um, bar three has a great online program that you can do at home. That's pretty affordable. They usually run a sale in January and you can get, uh, like a pretty good discount on like a three or four month membership, but it's really worth it. Especially if you're at home with a small baby or something like that. And you want to gently get back into working out after you've seen a PT, uh, it is such good stuff because it focuses a lot on your core, a lot on rebuilding that system inside of your body. And that is depleted through pregnancy and, you know, and growing this thing. And so I did that. And then this year, this summer, I ended up having a reactivation of CMV, which didn't have to do with my self-care, but it was, um, from the vaccine. It just like lowered my immune system afterwards. It was an immune reaction that opened the door for it, but my body rebounded very quickly and took care of the situation within just a few weeks after I tested positive for that again. Um, it was no, it was not being carried on my DNA. So that was a really positive thing. And I had, even though I felt like a lot of like, like these feelings of, you know, like, did I fail myself? Like, I also was like, no, look, your body rebounded. Like you're fine. Like, isn't that amazing? Look what you just did. And compared to like the months it took with the next reaction and, or the first reaction, which is normal that it's so long. But anyways, I, I just like, well, and also this summer where I was going with that is that this summer I achieved what I had hoped that I would. I started running again and I can run two miles and never have an issue with any leakage or anything like that. And I say that because I think we believe that we sit in this moment as women four months after we've had the baby, eight months after we've had the baby, the baby isn't sleeping. We haven't lost the weight, whatever it may be in your head. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, what did I do? Like, I'm never going to be the same again. 
let me tell you something. Every single one of my children, I carried weight. I carried an extra 15 to 25 pounds until I weaned them. And then it still took six months after I weaned them to even lose the weight. And then six months after, it's like a light bulb goes off in my body and it's like, oh, we're done with this. Okay, cool. Like now we don't need that. Okay. We're going to shift gears. Now we're going to go back into who you were before or whatever this new person is. And I can fit in my jeans just by eating healthy, eating well, focusing on eating from the ground, lots of vegetables, great proteins that are locally sourced with good fats that are, you know, have all those omega threes and sixes and fish and like all that stuff. And eating lots of good grains and beans and all these things, focusing my diet in that way out of the sugar, low alcohol, all these things, lots of water, all those things. When I focus on that, it's me trusting my body that when the moment is right, I will be where I'm supposed to be. And I had so much more trust in my body this time, the second time around, because I was like, oh yeah, I hit that point. Okay. I weaned her Then, so this means that by June or July, sure enough, it happened. Right when I was ready to get rid of my size 27 jeans, I could fit in them. Who knows? I didn't do anything different. It was all hormones. And I'm just, I think we have to, as women, look to the seasons, look, seasons outside to help us understand that things take time, that it doesn't just happen overnight. And, you know, for some women, sure, they might lose the weight breastfeeding, but there's also the other half of us that don't. And it's how our bodies need to function in order to do what it needs to do. And we have to learn to trust that. We have to learn to find beauty in that. And so I'm saying this because, you know, we're sitting in November And you could look outside and see it as so ugly. It is going through a massive transition. The snow has not come. The leaves are no longer colorful. Maybe there's a few hints of yellow here and there. But friends, this is the time where the trees have decided to focus on its core. And it's going to show us how to do it. And we can take that same interpretation for ourselves. And so I tell this whole story, and I'm sorry it's so long, but I know that there's so, I've never really told this story as like a collective piece. So I hope it's helpful, but cause it's been six years in the making <laughs> and I just look at outside and I'm like, this is what it looks like to go through that transition. It isn't going to be shiny and bright and beautiful but there's still so much beauty in the process, isn't there? Like I see the red tint on the maple branches that promise the red leaves that they will give us next fall. I see the colors of the wood on the hill of the beach. I can see across the way, the way the grasses still are growing, the white pines are thriving. I mean, they are coming into their own and there's color and the sumac still have the berries. It's all still beautiful. It's just we have to have a keener eye to see it and to understand that it's part of the process. So I hope this is a very good guiding light through any sort of transition you may be going through. 
Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's anything, you know, maybe you are trying to have a baby. Maybe you had a baby and you're struggling with the perspective of yourself and what lies ahead and who you will be. But I tell you, like when we go, when we sit at that moment, when we feel that, look, think about how you can approach that as an opportunity to be more of who you want to be. Because if I hadn't approached that time when I was told I was sick, then I would have, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know. I could have taken it many different ways, but I'm really glad I took it the way I did. And it felt good to just let go a little bit and let the process take to unfold. So the one disclaimer I will say is that I have professional doctors and everyone that looks after me. So I do not need or want any sort of thoughts or feelings about any of these things. Um, when I've shared these stories in the past, there have been messages that about people that tell me very odd things. So <laughs> I would suggest keeping those to yourself. Um, I have a wonderful professional DO and functional medicine doctor and acupuncturist and massage therapist and chiropractor who all know what I'm going through and they see me and they take care of me and I feel incredibly thankful for them every single day so that they are there for me. So I love hearing about your experiences. Um, but sometimes, you know, I know they're in good taste but we'll just keep them to ourselves today. <laughs> but I would love to hear about your postpartum experiences or if you guys have any questions about that, uh, I am going to add the link to the ebook if you're interested in the recipes as well as the first 40 day book. Um, she also has one about fertility that's really awesome. So I highly suggest it if that is something you are thinking about. Until then, my friends, I'll see you out there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 